welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents again. This is a little bit unusual. We didn't have a live program. We had a pre-recorded. We're with an ambassador. This is Ambassador uh, Michelle. Tell me about what we're going to hear about on the radio. We are going to hear about the little town of Bethlehem where Jesus was born and about a hospital that delivers babies and takes care of mothers. That's 1,500 steps from the birthplace of Christ. The name of the hospital is? Holy Family Hospital of Bethlehem. What a cool thing. You have got to tune in, and we're going to hear a little story about Maria. Who would have ever thought that women all around the world name their babies Maria, especially babies who are in need of prayer? And if you listen, you'll hear a little story about a young mother I met whose first daughter was named Maria, just like mine. You, you got to listen. It's going to be good. We'll see you in a bit. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt, and I am your host today, Peter Carutz. We are, uh, I, I, I'm going to have something to uh, confess here this week. We are live here in the studio, but we are not live on the air. This is one of those rare pre-recorded programs, and it's because we have a rare opportunity to have uh, a few guests who uh, don't live in St. Louis for the most part. Um, so let me just stop teasing you and say we are calling this program Remembering Bethlehem, and with us in studio is Ambassador Michelle burke Bow. Ambassador, welcome to the program. Thank you, Peter. It's so wonderful to be here in the Rome of the West. The Rome of the West, and there's a good reason for that. And I also, have, we have a second guest here, and then we have Mike Heck. And Mike Heck is uh, a member of an order called Malta and an order and an organization called Legatus, which I'm a member of as well. So, Mike, welcome to the program. Thank you, Peter. Always a pleasure to be with you. Mike, is this your first time on the radio? No, it's not. It's not. No. Is this your first time on the radio? No, it's not mine either. And it's not mine either. So we are all set, <laughs> ready to go. So we are going to be uh, calling this program Remembering Bethlehem. And um, what does that mean? Well, first of all, Remembering Bethlehem not Bethlehem, Connecticut, or Pennsylvania, <laughs> yeah, right. but Bethlehem, the place where Jesus was born, right. which is in current-day Palestine. Mm -hmm. There you are. And I want to draw everyone's attention to Bethlehem ahead of Advent because in Bethlehem, every day is Christmas. Christmas Mass is celebrated every single day. Really? in the Grotto of the Nativity oh. in many different languages, and it's such a delight to remember Bethlehem. And we are an Easter people, 
but we have to be a Christmas person first. And there you so go. the gift of life, the gift of a small child born in the manger who came to save us, it's time for us to remember Bethlehem. 2,000 years is a long time, and we need to brush away the cobwebs and prepare our hearts to receive this child in the manger who's coming very soon. Yeah, make it present, right? Make it present to us today because he is present to us today. As we always say, we always start with a prayer and ambassador as the visitor with a, you have a white collar on your uh, outfit, so I guess that makes you the person to say the prayer. Would you do the honors, please? I'd be delighted. Good and gracious Father, we thank you for the gift of life. And most especially, we thank you for the gift of your son born on a cold winter's night in Bethlehem among animals and placed in a manger. We thank you for the gift of his parents and the Christ child together who became the Holy Family. Let us bless families and newborn babies everywhere. Help us to emulate the Holy Family and the innocence of the Christ child. And please bless us, our families, and the babies all over the world, and especially the 12 to 20 babies who will be born today uh, in Bethlehem, just 1,500 steps from the manger. We ask this in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Amen. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. That was lovely. So I'm. this is the first time we've had an ambassador on the radio. So tell me, what is an ambassador to Palestine? You are an ambassador of from Malta. Give us a little, the, the folks who are listening to this saying, what in the world are we talking about? Help us get a little yeah. bit of background on so that. So the Order of Malta is a Catholic lay religious order. And at the same time, it's a sovereign state, an entity. We have diplomatic relations with 112 countries. We have a seat at the EU and a seat at the UN, much like the Vatican. Wow. And we have a um, ambassador at large to the Roma people or the gypsies. And we have two ambassadors to um, the plight of human trafficking. So the Order of Malta is meant to sanctify its members. There's 13,500 members. And we sanctify ourselves through service to the poor. So we have projects in over 120 countries around the world. And these are the real roll-up-your-sleeves projects. We go where others don't want to go, and we stay after the spotlight. The news reporters are gone. We care for people with leprosy, now known as Hansen's disease. We care for people with Ebola, with sleeping sickness. We care for the elderly. We care for the unborn. And we care for the hungry and the people who are lonely. Well, you know, that, that sounds like a, an admirable venture. And we're sitting here in a very comfortable studio. It'll get a little warm in a moment. Um, we probably had breakfast this morning. We have all our fingers and toes. And it's hard to conceive of the suffering that is out there in the world that you all are, are dealing with. I just saw the movie with Mother Teresa. I... I've read about Mother Teresa. I, ha I know what she did, but to see it on, on video, at least, is a, is a different experience. Yeah. And she's doing what you are doing. Well, she's the embodiment of be not afraid. Yeah. She wasn't afraid to touch and to clean and to accompany and to give hope. And that's what we do in the Order of Malta, and we've been doing it for 1,000 years. What? 1,000 years. So 2,000 years ago... 
the Christ child was born in a manger to bring us salvation. 1,000 years ago, the Order of Malta began its hospital work in Jerusalem, taking care of Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And in the year 2000, the beginning of the third millennium, Pope John Paul II was at the altar in Nazareth where he proclaimed that Holy Family Hospital of Bethlehem, which you'll learn about today, is a priority for the church for this third millennium. And I just thought about that a couple of weeks ago, Peter. It's, I, I love it. It's Trinitarian, three millennia. Right. And think about how important the birth of the Christ child was at the beginning of that first millennium, the beginning of the work of the Order of Malta, which has touched millions and millions of souls. And there we have our St. John Paul II declaring that this hospital that most of you probably haven't even heard about right. is now a priority for the church for this third millennium. And a millennium is a long time. It is. It is. But it is how we you know, measure time. I love talking about the, the, our, our Lord is the beginning of the time, how we measure it today. So even the atheists have to do a little bit of gymnastics when we talk about what year it is. That's right. And, you know, a millennia is 40 generations, uh-huh. and a generation is 25 years. And because this is the year 2022, we're still in the first generation. Ah, of, of the next mo- millennia. That's right, of oh. what JP2 asked us to do. So all around the world, Catholics are called to remember Bethlehem and to care for its inhabitants. And I choose to do that through the work, the pro-life, life-saving work at our Catholic teaching hospital right in the heart of Bethlehem. Right. And we're going to learn a lot about this hospital. You're going to love to know more about it. And you are an ambassador. There's I'll imagine a number of ambassadors of Malta. We're going to talk about that too. But Mike, you're local here in St. Louis, and you are in the Order of Malta. What is what what is your position? What do we call someone who is a local participant in in this great endeavor? A lot of people just call me lucky <laughs> <laughs> for many reasons, <laughs> and I'll go with that all day long. But uh, a a gentleman in the Order of Malta is uh, identified as a knight. And the women are identified as dames, and you're called um, called by God to serve. Uh, as uh, Michelle has spoken, it's the sanctification of its members. It's also defending the faith, uh, and it's serving the poor and the sick. Um, and we do that locally. Many of us do that. Uh, I know you do that too locally with so many of the different things going on in our parishes and our archdiocese and our schools. Catholic Charities, the whole range of things that happen here locally, but we're also called to do it globally. And uh, as we start to think about the global nature of that, uh, what a better place to start than in where Jesus came to us, the birthplace of Christ, where our faith was born and where a pro-life was born. Right, literally. <laughs> literally. Uh, and uh, it helps give my wife and I and our family, uh, real confirmation, if you will, that what we do locally is driven by the gift that God gave us globally. Yeah, and it is a gift. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to know more about the hospital, but just a moment before we get to that, um, I'm sitting next to an ambassador. Tell me where you grew up. Tell me how you 
became involved in uh, the Order of Malta and eventually became an ambassador. Well, I grew up on the east bank of the Jordan River. You did? And now I work on the west bank of the Jordan River. <laughs> and I've crossed the bridge literally and figuratively a thousand times. Wow. And I speak Arabic, and I studied diplomacy and economics for my undergraduate and my graduate degree. And I first became aware of the order about 25 years ago. I had friends who were members, and they were encouraging me to join. And, um, you know, I was busy. I had three babies. It just seemed like that was for – and I had stopped working. My work had taken me to the Middle East, but on um, long work trips, and it wasn't good for a big family. And we wanted to have more children. And so the thought of joining the order just seemed something that was um, for more accomplished people. And I had a friend who just kept knocking at my door. And finally, he said, Michelle, my mother never worked a day in her life, and she was one of the most important dom in the Western Association in California. And so he gave me the papers, and I saw about the hands-on work. Well, we were raising our family um, in a way that we all did hands-on work with the Port Direct Service. And when I saw that, it really touched my heart. And so I joined the order about 20 years ago. And I remember so clearly exactly where I was sitting, the way I was looking. And I was at a meeting of the Order of Malta, and they showed a video that captivated my heart and changed my life. And this was a short video about the work of Holy Family Hospital in Bethlehem. And I'd been to Bethlehem so many times, wow. and I never even knew this hospital existed. And by this time, I had three babies and was pregnant with my fourth. And all I could think of was a maternity hospital in Bethlehem? Like, babies? That's right up my alley. There you and go. And I was just hooked right away. I remember I went directly to the speaker afterwards and just thought, this is the best thing ever. And I became a supporter of the foundation in Washington. And I thought, well, gee, I really need to sort of parlay my reach. So I spoke with my pastor, and I got my parish involved in a program to help support the hospital. And I talked about it, and it just I was just so enchanted by babies being born in Bethlehem 2,000 years later yeah. in a clean hospital where there's always room at the inn, and nobody's ever turned away for need or creed. And no good deed goes unpunished, well, right? of course. And so they said, you know, Michelle, we'd like you to be on the international board of the hospital, and so let's put you on the foundation board. And very shortly thereafter... They asked me if I would um, consider being the president of the foundation, and I prayed and discerned and decided that, yes, I would. And we had just opened diplomatic relations with Palestine in 2011, and the first ambassador had finished, and the second ambassador was being appointed. And they asked me if I would serve as the minister counselor, which is the number two to the ambassador. And I gladly took that position and began my diploma, diplomatic work. And when his term was ended, they asked me if I would serve as ambassador. And here I am today on my second term. And I'll have to say, outside of my beautiful husband and five children, grown children, this is the most impactful, wonderful thing I've ever involved myself with. I'm it just, how can it not touch your heart? 
Babies in Bethlehem. Uh, I'm stunned. I, 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 you grew you grew up in that area, and uh, I I assumed you grew up in New Jersey or something. <laughs> I I don't know. It's I my accent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But you know, sometimes when people ask me, you know, how did you get here? Yeah. And I think I feel a little bit like Alice in Wonderland, and that I just fell down this rabbit hole into this land of enchantment, into a town where there's so much suffering and so much joy and faith, and it's a mosaic culture, and it's um, the hospitality is the most important thing, and it's just um, something we can be so proud of as um, Americans and as yeah. Catholics that we support this hospital 1,500 steps, literally, from where Jesus was born. Well, and this program is called Remembering Bethlehem. We're going to hear about this hospital a little bit more in-depthly here in a moment. I'm your host, Peter Krutz, and we are uh, not quite live uh, in studio with Ambassador Michelle Burke-Bow and Mike Heck, and I'm your host, Peter Krutz. Uh, I'm, I'm so intrigued. Tell me more about this hospital. You said that there's always room at the inn. Obviously, everybody is welcome. And, 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 you're, and, and I'll ask you to, before we go to the hospital, help me with my geography. Uh, when I think of uh, Bethlehem, I'm thinking that it's in Israel. I'm wrong. It's, in, it's over the border in Palestine. It's in Palestine, okay. and it is behind what is called the separation wall. There's a 30 to 40-foot wall that encircles Bethlehem. Encircles and, Bethlehem? Yes. Ah. And so... Um, you have to go through a checkpoint to enter it south of Jerusalem. It's about five miles. Um, I've never walked it because I never seem to have the time, but a leisurely person could walk. It's a beautiful uh, entrance into Jerusalem from Bethlehem. And it is a um, busy city. It's very crowded. When a city has a wall around it, there's not much free land because everybody has to build and the green spaces are gone. It's a little bit dusty. It's crowded. It has three refugee camps, and it has the birthplace of our Lord. Wow. And what's outside the walls? Outside the walls is now Jerusalem. Oh, it's expanded. It, Jerusalem is, touches up to Bethlehem. You know, when I was, when I was younger, um, there, there were no walls, and there was a, a, a pretty distinct division, um, which wasn't a wall, but just a geographical division between Bethlehem and Jerusalem because Jerusalem hadn't expanded and Bethlehem was a hamlet. It still is. Yeah. And so today it is a town behind a wall. The um, entire country of Palestine is each, – each city center is surrounded by walls, and those are um, the Israeli separation walls that were um, erected starting in 2001. So – What's important about that is for us to know that nothing comes or goes from Bethlehem without going through a checkpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Tell me about this hospital. Well, this hospital is just the most wonderful place. It's a gorgeous Ottoman-era building. It is built around a courtyard with a chapel. Uh -huh. And on the top of this chapel is a 16-foot-tall depiction of the Blessed Mother as Our Lady oh, wow. of the Miraculous Medal. Uh -huh. And her gaze is just the gaze of the Miraculous Medal, and she looks with her eyes directly into our NICU, which is the place of everyday miracles. I've seen, well, first of all, I've been to more Christmas Masses than most people alive because it's every day in Bethlehem. 
but also I've seen more miracles than anybody deserves to see. Well, I bet. I bet the NICU is such a special place. My oldest daughter is a nurse recruiter, and she's just been, her position was just changed. So her, her new position is to recruit nurses for the NICU and delivery. And I'm telling you, the, the world is beating a path to her door. I imagine that, uh, that it would be the same thing here. You, you mentioned that this is a clean, high-tech hospital which I imagine is, I, I shouldn't say imagine, is that unique to this area? It's very special because it's the only hospital in the whole region that serves one million people that can deliver and save a baby who makes his way into the world before 34 weeks. Wow. So all women who are pregnant with multiples or have any risk factors from a previous pregnancy or diabetes or high blood pressure, they have to come to our hospital in order to give their babies the chance to live and for them to have their lives be maintained. And there's no arguing. They all know. And I've heard stories where, you know, they've had a um, really quick episode and they wind up at a, a different local hospital and they'll often walk out in labor and come to our hospital. Or, of course, the hospital will transfer them to our hospital to make sure that they have the best chance for um, the most productive lives for their children. Yeah, so the, I, I imagine uh, clearly you have relationships with the other hospitals and they know where to send people when there is a need. Yeah, we work really closely together. We train um, the nurses and midwives um, in the region. Last year we trained 220 nurses and midwives. And we have a residency program where we have a dozen residents in obstetrics, gynecology, and pediatrics. And we have 200 employees, and they are all Palestinian. So this is a place of great hope. It is a place of training, and it is a place of medical excellence. Yeah, and with that many people being trained, I, I'm assuming that you're having an impact well beyond the walls, so to speak. Indeed. We are indeed raising the level of medical care in Palestine. And when our hospital changes its medical guidelines, they're always changing them you know, for improvements. Very shortly thereafter, the Palestinian Ministry of Health normally adopts that as a standard. So we are um, teaching them to fish, and they're excellent fishermen. They do such a wonderful job. It's really, um, they're faith-filled. It's a mixed staff, ecumenical. There's Muslims, there's Christians. And I call them Christians because they are Christian, but they are Roman Catholic, they are Orthodox, they are Aramaic, and they are Armenian. So it's the different Catholic faiths, the different Christian faiths coming together. Um, we also have some Baptist. We don't have any Anglicans, but there are Anglicans and Lutherans in the area. But it's just a great place of sharing, faith sharing, um, sharing the work, we always have enough employees to cover the three Christmases because the Muslims step up for Christmas oh. and the Christians step up for Ramadan. So we never have those staffing issues that you hear in other parts of the world. Oh, that's fantastic. And what I'm appreciating is that um, in your hospital, it seems like everyone is a person of faith. I've learned so much about my faith. I mean, I went to um, Georgetown University in the days where we had Jesuits for you know, the majority of our classes, and I thought I had a really good grounding in theology. And let me tell you, I learned my best theology there. 
recently, we've had a case of a little girl born and was struggling at birth, and she was ventilated. She was born on January 24th, mm-hmm. and she'll never live without a ventilator, oh, and we really? can't transfer her. So now she's filling up the incubator. We're going to have to buy her a crib. We're not a children's hospital. We're a NICU, right. but we can't transfer her out. And she's on palliative care. She, she'll never sit up or talk, short of a miracle. I've brought a bottle of lured water that we bless her with every day, and we're praying for a miracle, but God will decide. And as the, ne- the neonatologist said, you know, Michelle, God is the author of life. That's right. And when the good Lord chooses to take her, he will, and I'll never intervene to be the one who determines. Yeah when this ventilator comes off. True, truly pro, pro-life. pro Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, and, and you know, when we have those, or listen to those people who are in difficult circumstances, um, I think this is a great example. Who could, who could imagine holding your own child uh, who is terminal, yeah. right, and saying, I won't do everything I can to make that child comfortable for whatever time God has for her. We have so much hope, and we just wait for miracles, but we're also a scientific hospital, and so we provide the best care, and we infuse it with hope, prayer, and love. Yeah. And you can feel it when you walk in. Mike and Phyllis visited the hospital, and I'll speak for Mike for one word, and then I'm sure he'll add, but I know they felt that hope and care and love at Holy Family Hospital. So you've been there already. Tell, we we tell, have. Yeah, I thought we were going to see it for the first time together. So you're, you're <laughs> way ahead of the game. Uh, Mike and I are act- and our wives are actually going to go to the Holy Land here at the end of February. So, But tell me your, your uh, first look, at, uh, if you will, at this hospital. Yeah, thank you, Peter. We uh, were fortunate enough to be on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land about three years ago, right before the pandemic. Wow, good timing. Yeah, and uh, when we were there, we actually had to make special plans to get to the the hospital because it's usually not on the routes of the pilgrimage tours. But because we're part of the Order of Malta and we knew that it's one of the primary works internationally for the Order of Malta, we we worked through Michelle in the uh, office in Washington, D.C. and got a, some help from the tour company who were very kind to us and got us to be able to get to the hospital on our own. As we drove into the hospital grounds, we were immediately taken with this sense of peace. It's not your traditional hospital that we're used to here in the United States. You know, here in the United States, a hospital handles all kind of care for all kind of patients. And all the hospitals are crowded. And there's a lot of comings and goings and a lot of distractions, a lot of noise. Uh, That wasn't it at all. It's a maternity-only hospital, so it's a place of peace. It's a place of hope. And we were so taken by that. As we saw the uh, families that were there, the mothers and fathers, mostly almost all mothers and fathers together, which was really an interesting commentary on culture, different than our society, unfortunately, in so many ways today, right? And as we saw them together, they were there and they were holding their babies so peacefully and so joyfully that we were just completely taken by this. And then we saw this magnificent statue of Mary in the courtyard looking down on the hospital. We're like, there's something unique and special about this hospital. We didn't know what it was, but we just knew that God's presence was there. 
Well, it was remarkable. So as we uh, went back to join the rest of the group, of course we talked about this the whole time, and it was a remarkable experience. Things have changed so much there now because of the pandemic, right. which we ought to talk about too. Oh yeah. And uh, we're just so happy to be involved, and now fortunately I'm very involved in a very uh, much of a leadership role for the foundation that supports the hospital. We're gonna hear more about that as well. And uh, we'll even give you a website where you might be able to have a glimpse of what's going on in there. So please go tell a friend that you are listening to this wonderful pre-recorded co- uh, program, it's not live, and we learn more about this hospital, Holy Family Hospital, and we're gonna remember Bethlehem where it all started, right? We'll be back in just two minutes. Hi, this is Matt Logeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and seven medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, welcome back. I hope you reached out to a couple of friends and told them to join in. So we are Remembering Bethlehem. That's the name of our program today. I'm your host, Peter Krutz, and we are not live, um, but we are live. We're not live on the radio here. We are with Ambassador Michelle burke Bow, who is the ambassador to Palestine. And specifically, we're talking about Holy Family Church. And also, we have Mike Heck, who is also in the Order of Malta. And uh, he has um, uh, been able to visit this wonderful place. And then when the break hit, you were just talking about that. Well, most people appreciate that a break hit, so I would stop talking for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Peter. You've been very kind. Um, again, I think the, the great takeaway that uh, my wife and I have thought about with this hospital is we think about uh, the Gospel of Luke and the story of uh, Joseph and Mary coming to Bethlehem. And uh, obviously Mary in labor and ready to give birth to the baby Jesus and there was no room at the end. Can't imagine having no place to go 
to when you're in labor to give birth to your baby, to have that sense of security and peace and knowing that everything's going to be okay. Well, now there's always room at the end and that this location, this hospital, this Catholic institution, this Catholic ministry, uh, worldwide ministry of the Order of Malta and of us as the Catholics is there, uh, is so remarkable. And it just reminds us that no matter where we are in the world and who we're with, no matter the creed or race or any difference of opinion that we have with each other, that God just calls us to do something really basic, I think, in my world, and that's to love him and to love one another. Not to judge others, but to love one another. So I think this gives, um, gives us a real opportunity to do that globally. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. When I Again, back to that Mother Teresa movie, obviously it's impacted me. But um, I, I've, I've asked, you know, my Lord to, to, to soften my heart a little bit. You know, I see, I see how she touched, literally touched people who you wouldn't think would be touchable. And here we have circumstances where people are coming to have their, you know, to, to, to bring their child into the world in a, in a wonderful place. There's always room for them. And I'll tell you, I remember like it was yesterday when my children were born. I was in a great hospital. I was scared and didn't know what was going on and um and and um it's a it's a scary time but you said something and and if i heard it in passing i want to say it again you said that they were there with their families and that that's or maybe you said it mike that there was a difference in the culture generally do we have families there or do we have that same problem there that we do here where there's so much so many children born out born outside of wedlock that's an extremely rare circumstance Isn't in that? Palestine. Wow. There's um, marriages are respected and young people wait to engage in relations until after they're married. And they come to the hospital to take their wedding pictures. The Catholics come on Saturday mornings. The Muslim women come on Friday mornings. They do their wedding photos because the courtyard is gorgeous. It's green and lush, lemon and lime trees, olive trees, palm trees. I mean, it is spectacular. And they're almost all back within a year to deliver their first babies. <laughs> and, if, and if they're not back to deliver their first babies, they're back to ask the doctor, why, why aren't they pregnant yet? Yeah. And more often than not, they're quite young, and the doctor says, just give it a little time. Yeah. Be a little yeah. patient. You yeah. know, children are a gift. Yeah. And um, they come back. Don't be anxious, and that will cure the problem. That's exactly right. (laughs) And, you know, Bethlehem is a very family-centric society. Um, People don't get babysitters to go out on a date night. People bring their children. The babies attend weddings. Um, You would never hear somebody telling you that no baby's at the wedding because every wedding I've ever been to has at least 10 babies. Sure. Um, Children grow up with their cousins. Um, there's so many baptisms, and, and there's something actually quite beautiful that you might not know about, and that is, in addition to the baptism, they celebrate the presentation. So every baby at 40 days is brought to Mass, and there's, um, they're part of the um, entrance procession, and the baby is brought up to the altar, and there's special prayers and blessings. And at um, communion, when a young child comes up, Um, in the communion line who's not ready to receive yet, instead of the priest using his hand to bless the child, he blesses the child with the chalice. 
And so mm-hmm. it's just beautiful things like that, just very ancient rituals of our faith that are still observed in Bethlehem. That's very cool. Now, we're all, you mentioned that, Mike, you mentioned you were over there visiting just before pandemic. I imagine that this hospital was impacted uh, just like the rest of the world was with the pandemic. How did that, uh, how did that go with you all? It was early March when the first cases of COVID were discovered in Bethlehem, and we didn't know too much about it. We knew that Italy was really suffering, and um, everybody was quarantined to their homes. The streets were closed. They were sanitizing the streets. I mean, there was real panic ensued. I was there and managed to leave after a few days, even though the walls were closed. And the staff jumped into action. Everybody switched to 12-hour shifts to um, lessen infection by having you know three eight-hour shifts. Um, the men of Bethlehem took care of the children. The grandmothers took care of the children. 71% of our staff at the hospital are women. And I think one of the bright sides of the pandemic is I know a lot of men in Bethlehem that learned how to cook. <laughs> did, did they cook well, though? <laughs> but they did it, right? They Nobody's learned done. how to cook. Good. Oh, yeah. that's great yeah. stuff. But, you know, Mike will tell you a little bit about the economy, but it, it really um, – the pandemic – was a humanitarian crisis and continues to be in Bethlehem. It's absolutely devastated Bethlehem. And that's why I'm here today to just implore everyone to remember Bethlehem, especially. Yeah, Mike, tell me about that. And and, and Ambassador, don't remind me, we need to talk about the website so we know where it is. But Mike, tell me about the the economics of it all. Sure, Peter. So when you think about what happened here in the United States with the pandemic, right, the government basically shut down the economy. Uh, for a while because they wanted to protect people, uh, people's health. And when, you, when that happens around the world in different places, uh, things, uh, the, the different countries react differently. So here uh, we sent people checks, right? We sent money to companies to pay their employees to keep the lights on, things like that. Uh, and that was all great. But in Bethlehem, that didn't happen because they don't have their own currency. So they couldn't print additional dollars. They also don't have unemployment insurance. So when here, when people are unemployed for a period of time, in certain cases, you can file for unemployment insurance and receive income for a period of time. They don't have that there either. So when the economy was virtually shut down, and again, the economy in Bethlehem is primarily tourism. The tourism, of course, was shut down, right? People weren't flying anywhere the unemployment rate went to 90%. Wow. Not 9%, 90%. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was few people receiving salary of any sort, uh, few people receiving any kind of income at all. And this didn't just go on for a couple of months. It went on for years, right? So it's starting to open up a little bit now, but it's still desperate. Uh, Michelle has shared stories with us as she's been able to get in and out of Bethlehem recently about um, people selling their furniture on the street to try to get money to buy food. Um, The uh, women who come to the hospital um, as they leave, instead of eating the food in the hospital, they put it in their pockets and take it home for their children so their children have something to eat. The women who come in labor are coming in earlier 
before a full pregnancy term because the babies are coming earlier because of lack of nutrition. This compounds all the issues, not only that we try to serve in the hospital and try to save those babies because of the preciousness of each human life, but it makes it much more difficult to have hope. And so as you have hope, you look for ways out, right? Sure, where's the solution? That's right. So the solution, hopefully, is that things open up, but it's also about us who have something to be generous and to share with others. Uh, one of the things that um, uh, my wife Phyllis and I have taken most notice of is, is a part of uh, the hospital uh, capabilities are uh, a fund they call the Poor Case Fund. And it's uh, something that a lot of people can easily contribute to, that we've contributed to, that basically allows for food, <laughs> living essentials, uh, things for the babies, things for the moms, things for the families, just to help them live day to day. And we're so grateful that that capability is there. In addition to that, though, before this whole process started with the pandemic, the hospital was getting ready to start an addition, an expansion, because of the increased need of all these wonderful babies being born over there that Michelle referred to. And that whole process, of course, shut down the construction of that. But that has now started again. And it's not only an additional piece of the hospital, but it's a renovation uh, to support all the new technology, the new machinery, the new needs that the people have in that area. So uh, we're going full bore. Um, the foundation, the United States Foundation called the Holy Family Hospital of Bethlehem Foundation, uh, which supports a majority of the funding needed uh, for the hospital throughout the world, even though a lot of support comes from other countries too. Uh, I'm very honored to serve on that board and uh, I'm very impressed with how well that board works. It's made up of 20 different people from across the country with uh, great, great resources behind them, great expertise, and a great passion of each of those people. So there's a lot of good that's going on, but there's a lot of huge need that's different than just traditionally what the need has been. Devastating need. No, devastating. Not, yeah, just devastating need. It's, it's not anything we can really even identify with right, here in the United right. States. Can't, can't even conceive of it. Yeah. You know, we talk about no one has ever turned away for need. Well, because of generous donors from across this country, in parishes, around the world, we're able to subsidize every, surface, every service rendered at the hospital by 50%. We then have two social workers who work with the families who can have a sliding scale offered to the families that is um, according to their income or their needs that goes all the way down to full subsidization. Mm -hmm. So no one will ever have to deliver a baby at home because they don't have the needs. And any baby who needs care in the NICU, even though it's very expensive, um, those babies would never be turned away for need. So it's a place where all are welcome. Um, and we do it because we're Catholic. We have that right. impetus to provide love, charity, to the vulnerable mothers and babies in need. And I like to look at it as a form of reparations to the Holy Family where they had no place to deliver. They delivered among the animals. And now in their town, the town of St. Joseph of King David, mothers and babies are welcomed with warm arms and a loving embrace with top medical care to deliver their babies in Bethlehem. I mean, wouldn't everybody want to deliver their baby in Bethlehem? I think Imagine so. <laughs> the birth certificate would say born in Bethlehem. Yeah. I was in the NICU not so long ago 
And I always like to chat up the moms, and I love the NICU. It just, it's such a hopeful place and right. a place of many miracles. Tiny, tiny babies. Yes, and this mom was so cute. She was young, and she had a baby, and this baby was um, in good shape considering in the NICU, but still worrisome. And this was a young Muslim woman, and I went over and chatted her up, and I asked her, well, what's your baby's name? And she looked at me, and she said, my baby's name is Maria. Uh-huh. And I said, Maria? I said, that's my baby's name. Our first daughter is Maria. Uh. And she looked at me, and we just bonded over. You know, We called our babies Maria. I'm Catholic. She's Muslim. And she looked at me and said, um, you know, well, what are you doing here? And we chatted. And I wanted to keep the conversation going. And it was toward the tail end of Ramadan. And so I said, now that you delivered, are you fasting? And she said, no, I'm going to fast in a different month. And she looked at me and said, are you fasting? And I was a little taken aback because I, you know, I normally have a crucifix on. Maybe she didn't see it. And I said, no, um, I'm Christian. And I couldn't think of the word in Arabic for Lent. And so I said, I fast in March before Easter. And she said, oh, you're Christian and I'm Muslim. And you're a person of the book. And I'm a person of the book. And you love Mary and you love Jesus. And I love Mary and I love Jesus. And she said, we're just the same. And I looked at her, and she's a third of my age, beautiful young mother with her whole life in front of her, first child. And I thought, isn't that what we should all do? Look for how we are the same. And this young woman had the, you know, the f- faith that was so palpable. And you know, I'll, I'll never have so much faith. I mean, she was just infused with faith, and she just was so sure, and she knew, and she named her baby Maria because she needed a powerful name to help that baby be cured and live, and she chose the name Maria. Couldn't pick a better name. Right? This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you, St. Joseph. St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you from live, <laughs> not live, from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. We're here in studio with Ambassador Michelle Burke Bow and Mike Heck. You know, you, you said something that I hope people are beginning to appreciate. Um, the, 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 in, in the Islamic faith, or uh, they do revere Mary. They do. And actually, she's cited in the Quran 47 times. And in the Quran, she is recognized as uh, being a virgin and giving birth to to Jesus. Yeah. I mean, th- this, is, this is something that we Christians know, believe, and it's, it's fundamental to our faith. But um, e- even in, in the Quran, there's only been one person whose birth has ever been foretold, and it is Jesus. And um, Mary is revered. And, and when, uh, when people make pilgrimages to Mary's home, many Muslims do too. So there is it's that true. common... Yeah. Uh, You'll you'll know better than me. You know we we have this great. I'll I'll even say we have this great love for Mary. How, how is it with the Muslims? Is it is it that same they reverence? Have, or they have it? a great love and a great reverence, but they have faith. They know if they bring their needs to the Blessed Mother, 
she's going to take care of Is them. Is that and right? And particularly in their families. I can't tell you the number of women that I've seen. You know, I'll, I'll normally go to Mass in the morning in the grotto very early, and then in the afternoon just sort of pay a little visit. I mean, how can we not be so pulled to the grotto where Jesus right. was born? Yeah. And I always see Muslim women in there praying. And you see the young ones in there, and you assume they're praying for marriage, praying um, to have a baby. There's another church in Bethlehem, which I love a lot, and it's called the Church of the Milk Grotto, and it's where the Holy Family stopped on their way to Egypt. And the Blessed Mother fed the Christ child, and some of her milk spilled, and the cave became white. And it's a place of um, prayers for fertility answered. And so couples who are of trouble conceiving go there, and they pray, and they take a little bit of the powder from the walls. And <laughs> I've given this powder to five of my friends for their daughters, and there are five babies, and in some cases more because that was their first, and now they've had a few. So prayers are answered in Bethlehem, and the Muslim women pray to Our Lady, and they expect results, and they get them. Bethlehem is a place where prayers are answered. The veil between heaven and earth, and you'll see when you're there, the veil between heaven and earth in Bethlehem is, is very fine. And I just think that it's a, um, a special place for prayer. It's a place of much hardship, especially now. And I think that the Holy Family is sad about the hardship, and they want to um, help. And they help by answering prayers in yeah, Bethlehem. Yeah. And, you know, our hospital is open for visits. You know, call our foundation in Washington, D.C. Our website is birthplaceofhope.org. Birthplaceofhope.org. Yeah. And, and Google it. I probably that, That'll get you there, that's too. That's right. And you can um, spend a lot of time on the website. There's beautiful pictures, stories, videos, but there's also um, email addresses where you can reach out to us and say that you're coming on a pilgrimage and you'd like to bring the whole group to visit the hospital or maybe just a subset. But when we, pil- when we have a pilgrimage in the Holy Land, we see the holy sites, we pray, we say the rosary, we go to masses. And it's really important to go see faith in action. And Holy Family Hospital is just a perfect pro-life ministry, ecumenical, and it's where you see faith in action. If you pray, be careful what you pray for because God is listening and apparently very, very clearly there. You, you want, I know we, in the few minutes we have left, I know you wanted to talk about the nativity a little bit. Well, I've always had a great devotion to St. Francis and to... Um, the nativity or the crash, the manger scene, and a, I don't know, something providence maybe, Christmas of 2019, I decided to leave mine out. And it's still out. I haven't put it oh. away. And I do that in solidarity with Bethlehem. And every time I walk by, I say a little prayer. So I encourage all of you, when Advent comes, and you pull out your crush. And if you're like me, you'll hide the baby Jesus until oh, Christmas right. Eve. Better. Don't forget where you put him. <laughs> and what I would suggest is every time you walk by it, you say a prayer for families around the world, and particularly say a prayer, please, for Holy Family Hospital, that we can remain open, that we have the donations that we need, that our staff has the talent to save the lives of these women and children, and that the conditions in Bethlehem get better. And if you're able, I'll ask you to do one more thing, which um, I just thought about last Christmas, and that is, while you keep this up, maybe just underneath the manger of the Christ child, if you can make a little donation every day. And I know 
Advent is no longer a penitential season, but it is a season of sharing and of giving. And if you put a little donation underneath that Christ child when you walk by, when you can, and after Christmas, go to the website and send that donation to Holy Family Hospital. You'll be promoting hope through life, through restoring dignity to older women in our menopause clinic, and through the employment that we offer to more than 200 people in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And maybe keep that uh, crash out uh, throughout the year like you're doing. And... Yeah, yeah, be like me and keep it out because there's it's such a great conversation piece. People will come in, in April and say, oh, gee, you, you haven't put away your set yet. And I said, oh, I never put it away because it's always Christmas in Bethlehem. And it's just a nice reminder to think that our powerful God came and dwelt among us as a baby. And to me, it's just a good reminder to have that childlike love and faith and to be in solidarity with our friends in Bethlehem. And those of us who have something to share, you know, we're buying gifts at Christmas, we're taking care of other people. Remember to take care of Holy Family Hospital in Bethlehem. Peter, I'd just like to, at the end here, thank your listeners. Uh, they would not be listeners unless they were faithful Catholics and trying to deepen their faith. And uh, that's so wonderful and such a great goal for all of us. And it frankly inspires me that uh, this station exists <laughs> and that you're here and you're willing to do this uh, with us here this morning and that people are listening to this. I mean, uh, this is there's a lot of choices people could be listening to and ways they could be spending their time. Uh, and we know there's a lot of people out there who spend their time and listen to things and watch things that maybe aren't uh, as helpful to promote their faith as this is. So I want to thank all the listeners for doing that. And, and Michelle and I would like to thank you for allowing us to be with you today. Well, that's very kind. And thank you for coming here. Uh, you know, Mike, you make me remember um, I, years ago when we would start this program, I'd always welcome the listeners. And I would, I would say, maybe I'll just say it, you, you have clearly not stumbled upon this radio station. Uh, you're uh, actively participating in the grace that you're feeling from the Holy Spirit. And um, it seems more appropriate to say so now is what I usually say because the, your, the, your hospital is such an ecumenical place. So whether you're a Catholic or a, Christ, or, or a Christian or a... Or a, 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 a an Islam, you know, an atheist, you know. Look, you, you came here not by accident. Uh, this is the worst time to have a radio program. And look, you are here and you're listening. You're here because God has asked you to be here. And I might add one more thing to this: is pray. You, you know, you, you've, Ambassador, you said very clearly that prayers are answered. Um, Prayers are answered. Have confidence. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, tell me what I should do, and I will do it to our Lord. So pray. Ask him for what you want, and pray for the needs of this, um, this hospital and this community. Um, and thank you so much for coming and spending this hour with us. It just flew by. Ambassador, will you come back again sometime? I would be glad to come back, and I can't wait to hear about your impressions after your pilgrimage and particularly your time spent in Bethlehem, because I know you always remember Bethlehem. I do, and I, we ha that's our program, Remembering Bethlehem. And I'm going to leave my crush out this year, too. Oh, great. Yeah. So come back and see us next week, please.
been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.